Father, your word is good for us. Uh, it, it's profitable. Um, it's helpful. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. Um, and so we ask that you would give us help as we, as we turn to your scriptures. Lord, you know that uh, we need help in terms of our understanding. Sometimes we can just be, uh, just be uh, slow to understand, slow to obey, slow to apply. Uh, we can also just be weak. We can be willing to obey, willing to apply, and just lack um, the ability to do so. So God, would you help us uh, in both of those fronts, in both of those regards, Lord, that as we hear your word this morning, that, that we wouldn't just uh, hear it and receive it as, as the word of a, of a person, but we would hear it and receive it uh, as the word of God. Would you work by your spirit uh, in each of our minds and our hearts to, to make that happen? Lord, we confess our weakness, uh, we confess our, our neediness, uh, but we know that in Christ you have grace for us, you have help for us, you have power for us, Lord, and, and you are able to, to, to transform uh, and to, to lift us uh, out, out of, uh, out of our, our burdens, out of our struggles, and to, to lead us into hope in you. And so, God, uh, we pray that you would do that this morning. This text in particular, God, you know that this is uh, a text that uh, many of us need, uh, and so, Lord, would you, uh, would you encourage us? Would you strengthen us? Would you build us up through your word this morning? That our hope and our confidence would be in Christ. Lord, we pray that you would not only do that in this room for this particular body of believers, but that you would do that for all the churches across Boston. God, that all the churches across this great city that are seeking to be faithful to the gospel and faithful to your word, God, would you help them? Would you lift Jesus up in those gatherings that, Jesus, you would receive glory and praise and worship and honor across this city? Do it for your namesake, do it for our good, and do it for the good of this city, Lord. We pray it for your glory. Amen. We're spending three weeks uh, in the Psalms, uh, and we're starting uh, this series called When I... When I, uh, when we look at the Psalms, uh, the Psalms are a collection of uh, songs, prayers, uh, poetry that describe with raw honesty and God-centered uh, wisdom all of the realities of human life. You cannot go to the Psalms and not find any pain, triumph, or reality that, that, that would not relate to the range of human experience. In the Psalms, you find everything from lament to victorious celebration to uh, mourning before God, screaming, where are you? To celebrating the, the triumphs of life, to confessing the, the deepest and darkest of sins and brokenness. You find the whole range of human experience in the Psalms. The Psalms are a way for us to deal with the ups and downs and the raw nature of life and its wins and disappointments in a God-centered way. For me, over the last five years, the Psalms have become a, a lifeline to me that has given me language to pray or language to understand what I feel when at times I did not know what I felt. So the Psalms are a rich and deep book for us. We want to be able to navigate the roller coasters uh, of life, its ups and downs in a God-centered, honest way. We need the wisdom of the Psalms. And so what we're going to do over the next three weeks is we're going to look at uh, one Psalm each week uh, that describes a, a, a different reality of something that through just the ups and downs of following Jesus, the ups and downs of life, it each Psalm will describe a reality of what we feel. This week, we're going to talk about the reality of feeling spiritually depressed. 
the reality of, of feeling spiritual melancholy, the reality of fear, feeling spiritually sad, the reality of simply feeling spiritually down. So we're going to read this psalm, and as you re- hear the psalm read, you're going to hear some of those elements, and then we're going to work through what, what does this psalm teach us? What does God have for us in this psalm that can help us navigate those times when we simply feel spiritually depressed? Let's turn to Psalm uh, 42 and hear from uh, God's Word. Psalm 42. Uh, This one, if you're looking at it in your Bibles, you're going to see a note that says, To the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. Uh, So that gives us the the, uh, reality that this uh, this psalm was uh, meant also to to be a song. Um, A mascal is kind of this idea of maybe a musical term or maybe just kind of like a musical wisdom instruction. And we find out who has written this. It's the sons of Korah. Many of the psalms are written by uh, David, uh, one of the uh, kings of Israel. This one, uh, it seems, is not. uh, But this gives us insight into this particular psalm. So uh, imagine this. uh, We're hearing this, and, and this is something that the people of God would would, would pray, uh, would sing as a way of honest worship and honest uh, honesty before God, expressing what they're feeling deeply in their hearts. Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul for, pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him again, my God and my salvation. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon, the Mount of Mizar, deep calls to deep, at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is within me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The psalmist is experiencing, in one part, what a great uh, uh, British preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones, called spiritual depression. Now, what you may not know what spiritual uh, depression is necessarily by name, but if you've been following Jesus for any amount of period of time, you, know, uh, you likely know this, this phrase, spiritual depression. You likely know it by experience, right? Uh, spiritual depression can be brief. It can be uh, days or weeks, or it can be a season. It can be months or years where uh, you, you fail to feel in your heart any sense or reality of God's love or presence, when you fail to feel in your heart any sense of of God's reality, love, or presence, or any of the things related to God. Spiritual depression uh, can feel like a a fog. Here's one description of it. It's like a fog. uh, It feels foggy, like you're not connecting with God, even after you've asked Him to search your heart 
and to reveal to you any unconfessed or secret sin. You are praying your guts out or perhaps exhausted from trying to. You read the scriptures hoping to feel again, but you can't get past a verse or two. Your relationships in life are going well enough, but you feel distant and disconnected. There is no reason to be in a desert, but here you find yourself wandering and wondering. It's one person's description of, of what this feels like. Spiritual depression is uh, it's like a numbing fog that leaves you with little uh, wonder or sense at God's love, at God's peace, and at the, the grace and the wonder of the gospel. This is uh, something that is common to following Jesus. This I would differentiate from what we might call uh, clinical depression or something of that matter. This is, this is primarily related to our relationship with God, where we just feel that there's this fog and we just kind of feel nothing, even though we're doing all of the things we would normally do when we feel a sense of closeness to God. Have you ever felt this fog before? Are you in this fog right now? We can learn from the psalmist who bears his soul. Think about the, the wisdom and kindness of God to include something like this in his scriptures. Isn't that God's kindness to us? To include something so incredibly raw and honest in order to help us. That this was actually not just something that God said, hey, you said that, kind of keep that on the side. But this was something that was actually included within the songbook and the, and the prayers of the people of God. Think of God's kindness to us to do that. So let's look at the psalm and get a sense of what is this spiritual depression. We can look at some of the causes and the, the ways that God calls us to, to deal and to walk through these type of times in our lives. So notice verses 1 and 2. The psalmist describes something. The psalmist describes a desire. And what is the thing that the psalmist is desiring? What is the thing that the psalmist is thirsting for? What is the thing that the psalmist wants more than anything? What, what, is, what are they thirsting for? What are they asking for? They're asking for God. Say, God, my, my soul thirsts for you. I long for you like a deer panting. I desire you deeply, this, this almost uh, car, uh, um, primal type of yearning and longing deep from the gut. I, God, I want more of you. This is what they long for. This is what the psalmist desires. This is what they're seeking after. We even get this in verse 2. When shall I see your face, God? When will I see you, God? This, this sense of uh, when will I come before your temple, God? When will I get to gather with your people and sing your praises? When will I be close to you, God, to sense your presence, this is their, the psalmist's desire, but instead in verse 3, what do they have? Tears. They long for God, but what they really have is tears. And not just tears in the sense of, well, this was just a bad day or this was a bad week. This is the sense of, my food is my tears because I am in mourning constantly. I long for you, God, but all I have is this, this bowl full of tears that I, that I consume because my soul is distraught and I am in inner turmoil. Tears are the psalmist's food, taunts from enemies, which we get the sense that these are ungodly enemies. It's not that the psalmist has been evil themselves and now they're, they're being uh, treated justly. It's the sense of there's evil enemies trying to oppress this person. And so we, we find out that the psalmist desires God. That's what they want, more of God in their life, more of God's reality and presence. But what they really have is tears for their food and for the soundtrack of their life. They have the taunts of their enemies saying, God doesn't care for you. Where's your God? 
We know from verse 6, we, we hear uh, the description of, of Jordan, and we find out that the psalmist is actually away from the temple, away from the, the city of the people of God. And so this is why there's some of this, this longing that they're not able to go and to be with the presence of God uh, and the people of God. And so we get this whole reality. But then in the midst of describing this soul turmoil, this spiritual depression, we get verse 5. And in verse 5, the psalmist says, why are you downcast, O soul? Why are you in turmoil? Hope in God, for again you'll praise Him. Here is the, the tension of, a spiritual, of spiritual depression. It is, a, it is a, a, a desire for God, but there is a fog in our life that makes us feel and, and sense and just have this reality that God is nowhere near us. In verse 7, the psalmist describes it as drowning. It feels like one is drowning. Where the, the, the psalmist describes, Lord, your, your waters and your waves, they're washing over me. I just, I just feel that I can't get ahead. I feel, I feel like I'm in this fog. I feel I'm cut off from you. And I know you're, you're in control, but this feels like I'm drowning. Verse 10, the psalmist describes that it, it feels like a, it's such a close and intimate and painful thing. It feels like it's within his bones that this, this pain and this turmoil uh, is coming from. So we have to ask the, the question, and the psalmist asked this question uh, himself. What causes this? Why? Notice in verse 5, this, the psalmist asks, why? Why, soul, do you feel this way? What, what is happening? What is going on here? Certainly we see in verses 3 and 10 that the psalmist is dealing with something that we probably do not deal with necessarily in the same way. The psalmist is dealing with literal enemies, Right? Now, as much, of us, uh, as, much, as much as we might want to say we each have our, our haters or, or different things of that nature, none of us probably have enemies to, to this degree. We, we probably don't have people coming for our lives, um, slandering us constantly, saying that God, they're, they're really not God's anointed, right? None of us probably have that in that particular way. But this, this psalmist has this in this way, which reminds us even of, of King David, who was being righteous and yet is running from, his, running from King Saul, who wants to kill him, right? So there's this sense of literal opposition, literal people saying, no, they're not, they're not a part of the people of God, right? So the psalmist is dealing with that, which is something that we won't necessarily deal with in those same ways, but we can still learn from this psalm. The psalmist asks, why? What is, what is happening? So we need to think about what would be some of the causes that would lead us into this type of, uh, of place, maybe where we are feeling that God is just disconnected from our reality. We need to ask the question that the psalmist asks in verse 5, why? Here are some of the, uh, some of the causes, I think, that can lead us into this, this fog where, where our soul feels down and numb to the things of God. Some of this I've pulled from uh, Lloyd-Jones in his book, uh, Spiritual, uh, Spiritual Depression. I think one of the things that can pull us into this area is, uh, is sometimes it's our, our personality, particularly if we are wired in this way, where we are wired to uh, over-introspection. When we are wired to too much introspection, we can pull ourselves into spiritual depression. And this is what I mean by too much introspection. Constantly asking yourself this, why am I this way? Why am I not growing? Why have I not changed quickly? Why have I not improved? Why have I not seen this transformation in my life? Why am I not this yet? Why don't I love Jesus more already? Right? When we 
introspect ourselves and put ourselves on trial continuously over and over and over and over again, we end up laying a burden upon our backs that God never places there. And what ends up happening is we end up actually crushing ourselves under the weight of our own expectations, not the expectations of God. So sometimes this can be the cause of our souls feeling numb and, and down and a spiritual fog covering uh, our sense of God in our lives. The New Testament certainly calls us to self-examination, but does not call us to over-introspection. And here's the problem with over-introspection. When we start doing this, you know who we start paying more attention to? Ourselves. And do you know who we start neglecting? Christ. Why have I not grown? Why am I not this? Instead of Christ has done this for me and he is helping me take steps, right? So we have to think, are we so overly introspective that we end up leading ourselves towards this sort of spiritual fog? Another, another cause for uh, this sort of spiritual fog or depression uh, is, actually, um, is actually related to, to our bodies, um, is actually uh, related to uh, sometimes physical exhaustion in our health. Um, uh, our sons, we, we put them, uh, we try to put them through a catechism. Um, Adrian is making very slow progress. Julian has made great progress. Um, but one of the questions is, uh, what has God given you uh, other than a soul? And, and I think the answer is, um, what is the answer? God has cr- given me a soul and a soul that will last it forever. And it's this one of these questions in the catechism where it's meant to, to teach children that, that, that they are given a body and a soul from God. And both of those things are part of what it means to be a human. And both of those things are important and related. And one of the things for us is to recognize that, that the state of our soul can affect the state of our body, and the state of our body can affect the state of our soul. God has made us together, body and soul. And so one of the, sometimes the reason that we can feel like we are in a spiritual fog, disconnected from God, cut off from God, can sometimes be because we are just flat out physically exhausted. Sometimes we over-spiritualize things and we think, wow, what is happening in me? There's some deep, dark sin within me. No, it's just, you're just, your body is exhausted. You are emotionally spent. Maybe you've gone through a really hard year. Maybe it's been a really hard six months. Maybe you've had a major life change. That might be a big part of why you feel a huge disconnect between you and Christ. And so we need to think about what is, what is the actual state of our bodies, right? We, we might even uh, be as uh, simple uh, to, to ask these type of things. Um, uh, how, how, how is your sleep? Can we get an amen? amen? How is your sleep? Do you sleep? <laughs> right? Step one, question one was, do you sleep? Right? So, so, so how, how, how is the, the care of your body? God has not made us, God only cared about our souls. He would just make us floating things. He has given us a body Right? And part, taking care of that is part of our discipleship. It's part of how we nurture a relationship with him. So how is our sleep and work ratio? Right? Um, maybe, maybe you're emotionally exhausted. Right? Maybe you, you've lost a friend. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe it's just been a, a lot of changes in your life. Right? It, it, that can be some of the cause where it feels like we're in a fog in our relationship with God. This is the case when we want to think about how we can uh, rest our body and, and rest our souls. What would, what would rhythms of rest look like in your life might be a question to, to ask and to think about. What would a rhythm of, of God-honoring rest look like in your life? One of the other uh, causes 
Um, and obviously it can be multiple of these things, but one of the other causes I think that can lead us into this, this place where we feel this spiritual fog over our lives is, uh, is, neglecting, um, is neglecting the habits uh, of grace or spiritual disciplines, is neglecting those things that actually uh, in very ordinary, mundane ways draw us closer to Christ. Right? Some, sometimes our souls are downcast because we've been starving ourselves. Right? We, think, we think of the words of Jesus, right, that, that we don't live on bread alone. Right? But, but, we, but we live on, on the Word of God. God speaks to us through His Word. He draws us close through His Word. He, he spends time with us through prayer. We worship Him through song. We, we connect with God as we gather corporately. Right? So, so sometimes this fog can be related to the reality of we, we're, we're, we're starving ourselves. It's funny with some of this, uh, oftentimes, at least for me, I don't know about for you, I'll often recognize this in retrospect. Why am I so irritable? Why am I so stressed? Why am I so anxious about this thing? And I'll realize, I'll, I'll realize in retrospect, here's the trace, I haven't been praying. I haven't been reading much scripture. Right? It's been a, a drive-through meals with Jesus, right? In, out, right? One verse, great, good, now move on, okay? Right? So sometimes the fog is from our own neglect. Sometimes a spiritual fog uh, comes from uh, trials and suffering. We get the sense of that here in the psalm, right? That, that the psalmist is dealing with suffering and trials that are external to them, that are not so much attached to their own actions, but are primarily attached to the actions of others. So sometimes we're just dealing with trials and sufferings in our life that makes us uh, have this sense of fog, right? Uh, it, it, it's the parts of your life where everything seems to be going wrong, right? You just get a new job and then your rent goes up. Things just get in order in your life, and then you lose a loved one. Everything starts working well, and then you find out you're going to need to find a job in, in three months because they're downsizing, right? When it's just these things of life that just happen, and, and you start to sense this, this fog and, and this burden, and your soul becomes downcast, right? Sometimes it's not just you. It's just the trials of life. And so we ask, like the psalmist, God, where are you? One of the other major causes can be uh, sin. If we're in a, a pattern of sin, sin clouds our view of God, it stalls our walk with Christ. And when we are in sin, it's not that God hides himself from us, but that we are running from him. And so we feel a sense of distance because there, there is distance and the, and the remedy is to, to turn and to repent and to ask God for his mercy and grace, which he gives us willingly in Christ. The last cause, um, though there are probably more, the last cause... Uh, that I will cover with you is this, uh, the cares of life, the cares of life. When we overfixate on our job, when we overfixate our, on our investments, when we overfixate on our house, when we overfixate on our hobbies, when we overfixate on our studies, we begin to push Christ to the very margins of our life. And over time, our heart grows cold and numb. And over time, we kind of realize that there has been a, a, a gap. There has been no contact in this relationship. We've merely been going through the motions, and, and we realize that the, an intimacy or a vibrancy that we once had has been replaced by a fog. These are some of the causes that can lead us into this sort of spiritual fog where we say, soul, why are you downcast? So let me ask you this. What, what, is, what is Christ saying to you? If you feel like you're in this fog right now, may, might, may it be some of these causes? 
If you're not in that spot right now, which of these causes might you be more prone to? Maybe that, the causes that you've experienced the, the fog from in the past. Right? How, how, can, how can you act on this? How can you uh, share, share maybe what you're going through now or what you're prone to? How can you share it with, a, with a, friend, a trusted friend who can pray for you, who can encourage you, who can help you? What is good news for us from this psalm, though, is not that it's just the description of this spiritual depression or this fog, but, but we also get from God not just the ability to be honest and to, to speak about these things, but we also get from God wisdom on how to deal when this fog comes. Wisdom on how to push back against this fog. Wisdom on how to navigate this kind of uh, waters of a spiritual depression. There is actually action to be taken rather than self-pity to be bathed in, right? There, there is something for us to do rather than simply to just say, I am in this spot. And here's what we see the, the psalmist do. I want to give a couple of uh, small things that, that the psalmist does and then kind of the big thing that I, I hope we would take away. Notice in verse 4. The psalmist does this. They, the psalmist fights against this fog by doing something, by remembering God. Notice in verse 4, I remember. The psalmist looks back on how they used to go to the temple to worship with the people of God. He say, I remember. We remember God's past goodness to sustain us through the present desert. That's how we can get through. We remember God's past goodness. Notice verse 4, the psalmist says, I, I, I pour out my soul. One of the other ways we navigate through the fog is that we actually pray to God with raw and real honesty. The psalmist says, I pour out my soul. There's not a sense of, I sugarcoat this, God, things are going pretty well, I just wonder about this. No, it's just a sense of, God, where are you? Where are you at? What's happening? There is a raw honesty. We set our hope on God by praying honestly. Notice that oftentimes, actually, when we, when, we, uh, when we pray honestly and earnestly to the Lord, uh, it's not so much that that changes the Lord as much as it often ends up changing us, that our perspective shifts, that we fill with a little bit more hope, that we realize that, okay, it feels like a really dry time in my walk with Jesus, but God is still with me. We come out of those times of prayers often maybe feeling very little, but sometimes feeling this sense of, okay, God is with me got a little bit more of a sense of that than I did when I first went in. So we pray with honesty in the fog. I would encourage you, if you're in the fog, pray with honesty, and I would encourage you to do this. Pray out loud. Pray out loud. There's something different about when we pray out loud. Not that it achieves something, not as if uh, heaven's alarms go off. Ah, there's prayer aloud in Somerville. Which zip code? 020144 uh, 02145. Where exactly? Okay, let's, let's reroute the blessing, right? It's not that any of those things happen, but it's the sense of it builds faith within us. It does something in us. So it's one way that we can set our hope on God in the middle of the fog, right? Think about the psalmist. How do, how do you think this psalmist felt after writing this song in prayer and singing it out loud? Right? How do you think they felt in that moment versus in the moments before when this was just deep within their soul but unexpressed? Gosh, you know that they felt light breaking into their fog. When they put this on paper and, and, and got on their knees and maybe pounded the floor, maybe in tears, with tears as their food said, God, where are you? God, why is my soul downcast? Right? Prayer is one way that we fight against the fog. And, and we see this also in, in verse 8. Tied to prayer, the psalmist says that this is my song, right? This is something that they sing. One of the ways that we fight against the fog of feeling uh, distant and cut off from God, one of the ways that we fight this fog is that we worship. We worship in the fog. The psalmist, think about this, the psalmist's remedy to feeling spiritual depression is to write a song. 
Where are my songwriters at? Right? Their remedy is to write a song and to worship God. I'm in the fog, so I will sing to him. My soul feels down, so I'm going to praise him. My soul feels like it's ice, like it has no pulse, so let me sing until I feel something within my soul. We worship when we're in the fog. We said uh, worship is one way that we set our hope on God through song. All right, so, so maybe you don't sing, then hum, right? Worship, I, w- I, would, I, would, I would ask this. I don't know how you can get through the trials of following Jesus without singing to Jesus or worshiping Jesus through song at some point in, in the routine of your life. I don't know how that happens. I mean, outside of Sunday, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how that's possible. I think the Psalms would, would encourage us that we not only sing in this way, but there is a song within us almost all the time for every emotion and trial that faces us in this life. So we worship through the fog. I love even uh, this, what the German theologian Martin Luther said. He said this, that music is a fair and lovely gift of God. After theology, I give to music the highest place and the greatest honor. I would not exchange what little I know of music for something great. Experience proves that next to the word of God, only music deserves to be extolled as the governess of the feelings of the human heart. We know that to the demons, music is distasteful and insufferable. My heart bubbles up and overflows in response to music, which has so often refreshed me and delivered me from dire plagues. We push back the fog of spiritual uh, depression spiritual numbness, one of the ways we set our hopes on God is to sing in the fog, to worship in the fog. But the main way that we fight against the fog, the main way that we push back this numbness, the central way that we deal with this fog is to declare to yourself, to speak to yourself, to preach to yourself three words, hope in God. Verse 5 and verse 11. So why are you downcast? Why are you at turmoil within me? Hope in God. Even if we go to Psalm 43, we're going to see the psalmist say the same thing as in verse 5. Hope in God. We see it repeated that this was a refrain. This was a mantra of their life. This is their anthem. This is their chorus. Hope in God. Self, hope in God. Claude, hope in God. Listen, hope in God. The psalmist begins to preach to himself when the fog closes in. This means that the main way of seeing light when the fog comes is to preach to ourselves, Not just to listen to ourselves, but to take the thoughts that come into our minds in the morning, to to take the thoughts that that hit us when we get discouraged, when when someone says something to us, to take the thoughts that come when when we find out bad news, to take those thoughts and then to, to, to press pause on them and then to preach to ourselves hope in God. Hope in God. Hope is a, is a uh, cousin to faith. Hope is believing that what God has declared, hope is, hope is believing what we have trusted in God through faith will actually happen in a particular situation. So by faith, we have said, God is my father. God is my savior through the work of Jesus. Hope is then taking that faith and putting it down into a situation. If God is my father, I believe in this situation that God is going to act as my father as well. So the psalmist says, hope in God. Hope in him. 
We preach to ourselves. This is what the psalmist is doing. The psalmist is giving a, a sermon to self, a selfie sermon. He's turning that pulpit around, facing himself in the mirror. We can imagine him slapping himself in the mirror, right? Hey, hope in God. I know you got an army coming to kill you. Hope in God. I know they're slandering you. Hope in God. I know you're far from the temple. Hope in God. Hope in God, self. Do we preach to ourselves like this? Or do we just listen to discouragement? Now, when I say preach to ourselves, I don't mean grab ourselves by the neck and say, suck it up, hope in God. I don't know if you've ever seen the coach, Bobby Knight, who uh, coached at Indiana University and I think Texas Tech, would throw chairs at his players, grab them, berate them, yell at them, like just horrible. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. Right? Notice what the psalmist does. The psalmist is honest about how much this hurts. He says, tears are my food. Tears are my meal plan. I'm on a new diet. It's called tears. That's what I'm doing. Tears. That's all I have. Tears. But Saul, hope in God. There is both raw honesty about how difficult the circumstance is, and there is preaching that says self, hope in God. God is bigger than tears for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Hope in God. When we preach to ourselves, we don't discount the struggles or the burdens or the darkness or the brokenness or the heartache, but we do remind ourselves that there is somebody bigger who is involved in our lives, who does love us and who is present. So we say to self, self, hope in God. Notice the psalmist's sermon. We see it in verse 5 and we see it in verse 11. Why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. When we look at the context of the sermon, we can actually learn a few things. Notice the psalmist, is, the psalmist is, their, their sermon to self is this, essentially, who is God? He's my salvation. He's my God. What has he done? My salvation. He's delivered me. He's rescued me before. What will he do? He's going to do something so that I will again praise him right? It's who is God? What has he done? What will he do? Who is God? What has he done in the past? What will he do in the future? Who is God? What has he done in the past? What will he do in the future? And based on all of those things, what do we do? We set our hope in God. Now think about this. In Jesus Christ, do we not have greater reason to preach to ourselves? Who is God? What has he done? What will he, what will he do? In Jesus, do we not have greater content for a greater sermon to self than even the psalmist? Well, we can say, who is God? He is my salvation. And I see it in, with clear eyes. He is my salvation that sent his son for me. What has he done? He saved me from his righteous wrath. He saved me from the penalty of our sins. He saved me from separation from him. He saved me from a purposeless life where I was wandering headfirst into sin. He saved me. He saved me by putting his own blood on the line. He saved me by putting his own body on the line. He saved me by interposing his precious blood. He saved me when I'd lifted no finger. He saved me when I deserved condemnation. He saved me when I was running from him. So look at the content of the sermon that we can preach to ourselves. When trials come, discouragement speaks to us and says that we have nothing, that, that life is going backwards. When we feel that God has left us behind, we can say, no self, hope in God. Why? Because of Christ. So we set our hope in God. 
Is not Jesus Christ, the light of the world, able to break in to the fog of our spiritual numbness? In Jesus, do we not have the greatest reason to say, hope in God, you will praise him again? Translation, because of Jesus, this circumstance, God will sustain you through, and you will praise him again. Do we not have reason to do so because of Jesus? Because Jesus has saved us from the judgment we deserve, because Jesus has been our substitute, and because Jesus has promised us that he is bringing us towards the day when all things will be made new. And in the process, he is refining and doing a work within us. So we can say to self, self, hope in God. We do this with both the raw honesty of the psalmist that does not hide how difficult their circumstance is, but also does not hide the reality that God is there with them, even though it doesn't quite feel like it. So we say to self, hope in God. What is God calling you to do in light of this song? Some of us are in the fog right now. Maybe this is just a reminder that God is with you. If God gave his son Jesus for you, he will be with you in the fog. Maybe for some of us, this is preparation because the fog comes for everybody. In a broken world, there's no no point. The fog is as common to following Jesus as it is to come to church on Sunday. It's just normal. If you're in the fog, it's not like, what is this? I'm the one. I'm the wrong way. This is normal. That's why the Psalms are full of it. Right? For this sermon, we could have picked from about 70 of the Psalms. Which one do we want to take that's dealing with the fog? Let's just do this one. Right? So maybe, maybe this message is for you to know that you need to preach to yourself right now. Maybe this message is for you to know that you need to preach to yourself, but also to be prepared for when the fog comes, you won't be taken by surprise. You'll know that God is with you. What does God want from you from this? There are practical things, but I think the big thing is this that our hope is set in Christ. And if God has given his son for us, God will be with us in our darkest valleys. And we can even think about our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on the cross asked this very question, God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus himself experienced the fog of being cut off from God. He was cut off so that we could be brought in. We're reminded even as we read Hebrews that he is a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weakness. So we can go to him. If we say, self, I don't got it within me to preach a sermon, then we can go to him in prayer and say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me set my hope on you. The fog is normal, the fog is common, but we have a reality, we have a Savior who is able to sustain us even 